0: Hello everyone, it's David Warrench. Welcome again to the Authentic Dad Podcast. We have a very, very fascinating guest today. Anna Alicia Montano is a psychedelic integration coach, a psycho-spiritual counselor, and her Instagram seriously is amazing. It's a really cool follow. It's um, at journeys with Anna. I'll put it in the show notes. Just a quick disclaimer, please do not take anything in this episode as medical advice. And please do not break the law. Check your local laws regarding psychedelics and all of the things that we discuss. Just an FYI, if you want to reach me, dot coach, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach, F-U-R-T-H-U-R.coach, further.coach for feedback saying, hey, if you're interested in coaching, I do that. If you want to be a guest or know somebody who does, just fill out the contact form. We very much appreciate likes, subscribes, follows, Thank you for listening, and we will definitely see you on the other side. With Anna Alicia Montano, and she's from the Twin Island Republic of Trinidad and Tobago, and she's a psycho-spiritual counselor and coach, a psychedelic integration coach, a combo practitioner. Did I pronounce that one right? Combo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, and a Reiki master through a combination of different modalities. Anna is a guide that facilitates healing and growth in her clients through a deep journey into self, so they can realize their potential. Align with their values, expand their consciousness, transform as they reach their goals, and come home to oneself. Anna, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast.
1: (laughs) Thanks for having me, David. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, we, you know, you you and I had this one conversation before, and it was very inspiring. And you're such an interesting person, so I was really looking forward to this. you are, tell me about Trinidad and Tobago. What's, that's in a, what's going on there. I know you're, you said you were kind of stuck there because of,
1: yeah, um, I know so you live board- there,
0: but you, the borders are, 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 yeah, are our, shut, yeah.
1: our borders have been locked for the last year with COVID. Um, and as of today, we've gone back into somewhat of a lockdown. So beaches are closed off, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, I mean, I, that's a whole wormhole to go down into because we just have so many problems here, like crime-wise and stuff like that. So it's a little um, constricting to be confined here. But at the same time, the weather's warm. When beaches do open up, that's at least nice to have. Because uh, I'm a big water baby.
0: And you, and you grew up there, right? This is your, your home?
1: Yeah, born and raised.
0: So how does someone or anyone, doesn't have to be from Trinidad and Tobago, become... A, a psycho-spiritual counselor and psychedelic integration coach that's kind of a funny way of saying tell me your story because I'm sure it's really interesting
1: <laughs> um, yeah that that's, that's a good question um, so I guess there's a few threads to that uh, yeah. in terms of I guess psychedelics have kind of been the guiding thread through everything um, I mean I grew up with a mom she's very very unconventional um, your, mo-
0: your mother is yeah yes <laughs> nice
1: that's her heart she's a gem though she um she was born in algeria and lost her family in the algerian war of independence mm-hmm. and i guess has her own thing of how she sort of like gravitates towards like meditation and stuff like that so since a child that's kind of the type of container i grew up in um
0: when you say unconventional um do you mean like a seeker
1: yeah, very much so. Very, mm-hmm. very much so. Like, I wasn't brought up in a religious household. Um, she used to talk to me about spirits and stuff since a child and, you know, talking with plants and being kind to them. And um, she even spoke to me about ayahuasca from the age of, like, five or six. But she didn't mm-hmm. She didn't know the name ayahuasca. She knew it as uh, this tea that you drink with indigenous, indigenous people that allow mm-hmm. you to, like, see the spirits of the forest. And... So I grew up with that, but never knew. I didn't know if it was like real talk. I didn't, you know, because mom can be kind of like very whimsical in in the most beautiful way.
0: Um,
1: (laughs) So I never really knew. But then, you know, coming into like, I guess, preteen or whenever I really had access to the internet. I don't know how I came across psychedelics and just started like really geeking out on that. Like I always had Mm -hmm. a fascination with things like. Um, mushrooms and LSD and that sort of thing.
0: And you're talking years and years ago before not I mean, you're still very young, but before it was like right now, it's so popular. And it's such a huge topic. And all the research is sort of blown up. But you were really interested in it before that, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, like I've seen to always just had this, like keen fascination with um, transcendental states of consciousness and these these substances that do that like sort of take you there and again Mm -hmm. mom would do meditations with me and stuff as a child she would speak to me about all sorts of different things that i guess normal people don't necessarily talk (laughs) about and then yeah so i i would just spend a lot of time like reading up people's psychedelic experiences and that Mm -hmm. you know all that from a from a kid and then around the age of 19 when i was in um university in england doing my first undergrad i came across the name ayahuasca Yeah. When I read that, like, it just kind of like sent me off on this tangent because it like there was like all these light bulbs started going off. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is what mom was talking about. It's like, wait, this was real. Like mom was talking about something like for real, for real, you know, and
0: you remember those conversations. Yeah. yeah,
1: And since 19, I haven't stopped researching it since. Mm -hmm. But like through all the research I was doing, I was reading things about, you know, like dishonest shamans and things happening to people in ceremony and, even like black magic that was going on between different shams and stuff like that so as a young female um traveling wanting to travel by herself I figured like it's the kind of thing where I needed to be very cautious about and even so like mm. during teenage years as much as I was like actively seeking um psychedelics they never made their way to me so that was like a first kind of learning lesson like not necessarily to like seek them but have them find me I see And then when they would find,
0: I see. So you, you, it sounds like you're like, you're reading, as you said, these books, you're geeking out, but you hadn't actually experienced it yet. You were waiting for them to find you. Yeah.
1: I mean, I had like, um, my first mushroom experience around the age of like 18, 19, my first ecstasy experience around the age of like 16, 17. But again, Mm -hmm. like I was actively searching for these things for a long time, but they never made their way to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always found there was something to that. So when it came to like researching about ayahuasca same like I just felt instinctively that the same thing applied that when it was time for me to sit with it, it would present itself to me. So there was a sort of like eagerness to sit with it, but at the same time, sort of like allowing the process of letting it find its way to me. Um, so it wasn't until 2016, when I was 26, that I actually got to sit with ayahuasca for the first time. And I think that's when everything just started really shifting um I initially went down to Peru um to drink ayahuasca and thought it was going to be like a one and done like just have that experience Mm -hmm. work on like my own things and kind of move on from there that definitely wasn't the case (laughs) (laughs) and um within I think it was like the first week 10 days of my coming back from that experience I ended up finding this this um program at the California Institute of Integral Studies and that was like at a point where I was finishing my second undergrad and also kind of being like, well, what are my next steps? And then lo and behold, I just come across this program. And that,
0: that's a school in San Francisco.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up um, getting a master's in East West psychology. But I mean, like all in between from 2016 to actually going to California in 2018, uh, I kept going back to the jungle to work with ayahuasca as well as some other plants and uh, spent a few months down there doing a plant intensive and um, yeah, just just realizing how much this particular plant was calling me back in. And it's not like, it might sound funny to some people, but it's very like real for me, but it, it, it was also a, a forming a relationship with this plant and like having a, beginning yeah. to have a bond with it.
0: What if you don't mind bringing me back to because you said I wanted to, I thought it'd be a one and done and it wasn't, and you kept going back. Like, what was that first experience like? What came up? Why, why did you, why was this calling to keep coming back?
1: I mean, I don't know why it was calling. I mean, I feel it's, I mean, it still calls to me now for some reason. It feels like this plant is, uh, um like a deep ally for me like I feel like Mm -hmm. I have a really really different kind of relationship with it in 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 the sense where like it wants to work with me I don't know how Mm -hmm. that'll manifest and what shape that'll take but um I do enjoy um my own personal work and explorations with it Mm -hmm. Um, with respects to going down there the first time the experience was interesting like I used to I used to smoke a lot of weed Um, Mm -hmm. I was a heavy cannabis user And during that first um, experience, there was a lot of things coming up with, with respects to my use around cannabis. So just to backtrack a little bit, I lost one of my older brothers in a car accident when I was nine. So there was a lot of um, emotional upheaval from that, like, you know, going into my teenage years and being bullied and stuff like that. So there was like, I guess, for lack of better words, a lot of, trauma that happened from that so that's initially what why I wanted to go down so I could start working with that and really like processing the grief and what was coming up for me was um my use of cannabis was a way of like pacifying my emotions so if things were too intense like if Mm. I was way too sad or way too angry I would smoke and just get neutralized so I wasn't doing anything productive I wasn't working with my emotions. I, w- I wasn't allowing them to surface mm. and move through. I was just trying to like stuff them down.
0: It was just, so the cannabis was just used the numbing. It wasn't really therapeutically helpful. It sounds
1: like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um. I mean, I have now I have a totally different relationship with cannabis and I use it every so often, but more in a kind of ritualistic ceremonial context. Mm. And it's, it's beautiful, but I don't use it the same way at all. And that was a yeah. big thing that, that was coming up. And it was also blocking my ayahuasca experiences where I would oh, go really? to drink. And, sorry.
0: I said, oh, really? Tell me, yeah. tell me more. Yeah.
1: I would go to, you know, I'd go into ceremony and, and drink ayahuasca and not much would happen in the sense of like, I'd purge a lot. And well, that's not fair to mm-hmm. say. Purging is something happening. Um, but I'll get like little glimpses of visions, but something mm-hmm. just felt like clogged up. And, um, oh, yeah. I remember they, they have the, um, like the tobacco shaman. And then I remember having a conversation with him about what I was experiencing. And, and the first thing he asked me was if I smoked a lot of weed and I was like, well, hmm. yeah. And he was saying that in his experience, um, with these shamans that he's worked with or the iOS that he's worked with, it was that cannabis and ayahuasca are kind of like two conflicting plant spirits. So one time he was like, all right, well, we're going to have to put you on a tobacco dieta for seven days. So I said, okay, I was pretty much like, I'm down here to do the work, like whatever you guys like in, in terms of like conversations, if you guys are telling me something and I'm down, like, you know, let's, let's do that. Um, so I did a seven day tobacco dieta and that was, that was intense. Cause I felt like it was just pure shadow. Like I just felt like it was seven days of shadow work.
0: <laughs> a seven day tobacco. What What was it that you said? Dieta. What does that mean?
1: So a uh, plant diet is basically when you are working with a plant spirits, And uh-huh. I mean, it could be for seven days. It could be, it could be up for several months, but you're following a diet protocol in terms of what you're eating, but, and you're in isolation. Okay. You can't talk to anybody. You can't touch anybody. You can't distract yourself. So you're not like listening to music. Uh-huh. You're not reading. You're completely with this plant spirits and yourself and what it wants to teach you or what it's bringing up in you.
0: I think it's interesting that the the shaman could could immediately tell or, or suspect that that, yeah. that may have been one of the issues. Were you going to the same um, shaman to the same place for the ceremony or did you try different ones?
1: I tried different places at one point, but um mm-hmm. the the sensor that I was at, I seemed to just have a mm-hmm. good relationship with them. They helped me move, you know, move through a lot of things and I guess just over time I just built a relationship with them so there's a level of feeling safe there.
0: And and were they accepting cuz you know I know that there's been some some stories about westerners or non-natives coming to Peru and it not going so well.
1: Yeah, and- that I mean it's it's a very tender topic um but Mm -hmm. they do have a lot of these centers that are i mean there's so many of them now Mm -hmm. and um you know they do they do get their like shipibo shamans all come in and work and and you know help people out and stuff like that so yeah, there's there's that, but then there's a lot a lot of conflict too, where like you have yeah. um, shamans working with certain centers, and then you have other shamans who are envious of the fact that these shamans are getting so much work. So then there's black yeah. magic involved there. So I mean, that's a whole different.
0: Yeah, it's like a whole. I mean, it's a big tourism thing now, and yeah, and then yeah. of course, um. So you mentioned, I guess, a little bit about you know the trauma you experienced and don't know a lot about it. Um, I've read Michael Pollan's book, which I know, um, we've talked about and there's all this research in Johns Hopkins. And I just make a comment. It's really exciting that therapeutically for people who have like treatment therapy resistant or treatment resistant depression, the SSRIs or the therapy are really responding to psychedelics, um, where nothing else works.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, Definitely an interesting time that these things are resurfacing. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's good that it is, though, because I do feel like it's it's needed. You know, like there's so much research pointing in that direction of how beneficial and how helpful it can be. But with that said, you know, like there are um, certain people, and when I say certain people, like I mean in the sense of having certain mental predispositions that is just like a no go for psychedelic work. You know, right. like schizophrenia and stuff like schizophrenia that.
0: Schizophrenia and some sort, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. But I do think it's great that it's kind of coming back online because again, there's science pointing to it, right? And if uh, we're such a science-based culture, and there's science confirming that these things can help under the right circumstances, and you know, assistance and support and everything, and yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's um, I I will point people to that book because it gives the Michael Pollan's book because it gives such a um, a really in-depth history of the original research, you know, back in the 60s. And then unfortunately, that got shut down. People got a little had a little too much fun and became very hedonistic. And, um, and now what? 50 years later, it's back. And, um, and it's everywhere, you know, it's it, it, almost like every podcast has has touched on this topic. So it's a it's something I, I wanted to talk about. and um, Tell me, you know, if for people who aren't super familiar like what is even a psychedelic integration coach what does that mean
1: so a psychedelic integration coach is basically somebody who works I mean they could work with the person before the person experiences a psychedelic so that would be like preparation phase and I feel like that's crucial as well but they're working with somebody after they've had the psychedelic journey to sort of make meaning make sense out, out of the experience and integrate the experience so i mean if you look at the word integration it means to like make cool right so yeah, you have this big you have this experience so much goes on you you might experience certain visions certain insights things come up but then you're kind of like what, what do i do now
0: yeah so, and that could be spiritual um it could be thera- it could be anything whatever comes up but i don't mean to just say this is just for therapeutic use people do it for recreation and they do it for spirituality.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's helping the person basically like anchor that experience into their system, make changes and make some meaning and sense out of it.
0: And was that part of the program at um, the, the program you did in San Francisco or. So that's
1: been like other programs that I've done on the side. Mm -hmm. Um, Although what some of the things that I studied in San Francisco, I draw a lot from that into the work Mm -hmm. so like I'm big on Carl Jung and his whole Mm -hmm. thing with you know the both the personal and the collective unconscious and archetypes um because I think that's really relevant to transpersonal states of consciousness um that's that's huge there so and then I studied dream work as well so I find that's very useful when working with people and their experiences
0: yeah, because I've noticed that even so-called conventional therapists, quote unquote, are starting to put on their profiles, you know, psychedelic integration. Mm-hmm. I think there are or are starting to pop up organizations or certifications where, you know, people are getting trained in this because they see um, a real future in it. And I think that's important, which leads me to ask you to help people who, let's say, want to dip their toe in, talk about some some tips like set and setting huge could you speak about that
1: yeah sure so set and setting so set is like your your mindset going going into the experience um you know and i know people come to psychedelics because they're you know suffering with depression and anxiety so i'm not necessarily saying that the person has to be in a good mood to go in into a psychedelic but more so their mindset in the sense of um Really being ready to commit to the changes and the process that will come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, your setting, of course, is your environment. So, this will be your physical environment where you are, like whether you're inside, whether you're outside. Are you comfortable? Are there multiple people around? So, all these sort of factors are at play. Right.
0: Now I'm just thinking that. It- kind of matters you might not want to do that walking around i mean it could be fun like Times square or something you might (laughs) want to be in a place where you know your environment you're safe and you feel comfortable and with people hopefully that you feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. um i can i can only imagine how different the experience would be based on the environment
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for for my personal experience, um, I know a lot of people have done psychedelics at festivals, but I know myself mm-hmm. too well in the sense where like that will just be an overwhelm to my system. So for me, I'm like, Mm-mm, I can't do that.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, so you know yourself well enough to know that wouldn't that wouldn't be great. And I, I asked you this um, when we spoke, but like the, I've I've seen the documentaries and podcasts and listened to things about ayahuasca and. It sounds a little scary. Like, do you, you know you have experience with this? Do you still get scared when you do yeah. a ceremony?
1: Yeah, every time, every time. But that's that's humbling too, right? And it's yeah, it's kind of more like nerves sort of come up, but I feel like that sort of keeps me in check because um, it is a powerful plant medicine. And, mm. you know, things can get very hairy and, and intense at times. And I, I don't like to say that I have bad trips. Like, I don't like to. Yeah,
0: you don't like all. that word.
1: No, because I feel like they're more like difficult or challenging experiences. Yeah. But the nature of these these substances and like ayahuasca, it's, it's bringing up your own material. It's just a way in which it's manifesting is intimidating. But then there's ways to sort of like move through that. And I found like, for me, it's befriending the monsters that come up. So not mm. seeing something scary and being like, I got to leave this. So I'm going to bolt the other way or try to resist it and be like, no, no, no. I don't want this to happen. But more like you know kind of taking a deep breath and being like all right this is happening let me see if i could instead come into a dialogue with it like you know do you have a name is there something that you do you have a message for me so i find that starts to minimize the the fear and the intensity and then Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gold to extract in that
0: and i think if you were to so-called have a bad trip um if you were at a cent, let's say you were at, cause I know that there's some of these centers that are like, you know, country clubs. Um, sometimes you have someone to help you, right. Or if, I know that like, I've never been to Burning Man, but I know that there's a whole sort of group of people who are trained to help people through the so-called difficult, you know, LSD or DMT, or whatever they're doing experience. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing? I mean, like, should someone have someone like that if they're just starting Is or there-
1: you mean like out a center or?
0: Uh, yeah, like, like, should we, you know, like someone who's trained to help you if you're having a difficult time, would you recommend that?
1: Yeah, I mean, if, if you're at a center, then there's normally like a, a team there to, to mm-hmm. assist you should things get difficult. And of course, the shaman will do okay. his own Well, the
0: shaman, right, is, the, I guess, the person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I, th- I think I saw that there, aren't there like, when I say center, aren't there like... Um, was Peru or Mexico where these sort of places popped up where they're like luxurious you know mm-hmm. the whole beautiful hotel and the, you're not in the Amazon let's say you know you're you're at like a spa basically that that's I've seen that have you seen have you been in any of those places
1: I haven't been to any of those places um I mean I I love the I love the Amazon mm-hmm. um I like you're the
0: go real go, deal <laughs>
1: I like to go count. I like to be immersed in nature in that kind of sense mm-hmm. and I feel like that's kind of part of the process for me, at least, um, I'm fine with bugs and everything. I, I have no problem bathing in the river, having cold showers, no electricity, like <laughs> that's fun for me, but I mean like different strokes for different folks too, right? Like some people just prefer their creature comforts a lot more Need to be yeah. um, nurtured in that kind of way.
0: Yeah. So I'm jumping around a bunch, but I have so many that's questions. Good. It's because we, we could do, you know, weeks of this, uh, let's make a distinction. Um, plant medicine isn't just ayahuasca. Um, I'm thinking DMT, uh, LSD, psilocybin. ayahuasca, psilocybin. And...
1: I wouldn't really put LSD in it because- um No? That's, oh, no, it's not I, really I, a
0: plant, right?
1: Yeah, I'd say more like peyote, San Pedro, okay. mushrooms, um, the plants and fungi.
0: Is Do you have a preference for you personally of how you like to-
1: Ayahuasca is definitely- um, yeah, ayahuasca is definitely my my um my I I wouldn't like I don't I don't really want to say favorite, but I, I have the bond with ayahuasca, and that's the one mm-hmm. that I really really gravitate towards the most. But um, I'm extremely fascinated by mushrooms. Uh, I think they're very very yeah. cool features as well. Five um, mu DMT is uh I don't know what to call it. <laughs> it's it's a very interesting um psychedelic as well and i think it's really how is that administered uh it smokes uh-huh. okay it, it smokes
0: and i know I've, and we could talk about dose because i mean I, you know more dose more effect but i always had the impression i could be wrong that mushrooms wasn't nearly as intense as ayahuasca or is that totally wrong <laughs> no. not even close right okay
1: they could get they could get very intense as well okay. i mean the um, molecular structure is very similar to DMT as well, right? Um, and I know there was this... I don't know. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> don't. It, it, it is It is very similar. And there was this guy called Kalindi um, E who, who passed away last year, but he was okay. notorious for taking extremely high doses of mushrooms okay. in terms of like 30, 40, 50 grams plus.
0: Ooh. And so, that's, that's a huge dose, right?
1: That's a very hefty dose. I mean, people talk about... Um, I forgot the terminology for it now, but oh yeah, the "quote unquote" heroic dose that Terrence McKenna talks about is he five grams?
0: Okay, five grams sounds like sort of your basic, f- like full was, fuel, do- full dose. But you're talking about thirty or forty.
1: Yeah, this, this wow. guy was this guy was a deep explorer man. I mean, kudos to him. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe under the right circumstances, if I had like a proper guide with me i'd be curious to see what <laughs> mm-hmm. those states are like um but yeah psilocybin can get very 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 deep
0: okay yeah so i guess it depends because there's you know you're saying five grams would be like your th- normal let's say i don't know for lack of a better word your therapeutic dose you know yeah. where it's and then 30 or 40 and then sort of like a micro dose we spoke a little bit about this would be 10 percent of like if someone wanted to microdose, 10 percent mm-hmm. of a full dose.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one-tenth.
0: One-tenth, and that would be for any of these medicine, plant medicines, yeah. one-tenth. Yeah. And, all um, right, so we talked a little bit about DMT and ayahuasca and mushrooms and what, tell me about microdosing, what do you think of that?
1: Oh, I love it. Um, i've only microdosed mushrooms and that's Mm -hmm. always been a really interesting experience but the thing is i don't like to do it for long long periods of time like i'll do Mm -hmm. sort of like a three-month period on and then at least the six months off um Mm -hmm. because i don't want to be dependent on them either right and i like to sort of experiment and keep a log to see what's coming up and how things are coming
0: up so is the protocol from microdosing to do it like daily for a period of time or just I, I thought they weren't dependent the people weren't dependent on them, which was like another thing why they're all so interested in doing the research, because there is an evidence of of addiction.
1: Yeah, there, there is an evidence of addiction, but in the sense where, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, people are turning to microdosing to say assist with anxiety and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But also like the thing with psychedelics, it's missing the medicine halfway so that you are also involved in doing the work. It's not like um uh-huh pharmaceuticals where you take this pill, you rock back and it does the work for you. It's very much a active process that you have to be a part of. Um, in terms of the protocol, I know there's several different ones like Paul Samets has one, James Fadiman has one. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and I'm pretty sure there's a couple others around, but I follow the James Fadiman one, which is like every third day. So when I microdose, it's usually on a Monday morning and a Thursday morning. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I And, actually and this, to- is, this is with mushrooms and it's with uh, 10% of uh, five grams yeah um, whatever the that thing, is
1: <laughs> the, the thing is with mushrooms though I mean it there are different strains which of course mm-hmm. have different potencies so I found for me I don't buy microdoses from somebody that's pre-made I tend to make my own because huh. each batch is going to be different and then I have to sort of like find my sweet spot for each one um and I remember when I first first started making my own microdoses, I started with like 0.3 and that ended up being too high where um I went to class somewhat altered, which I mean it was it was a lovely experience, <laughs> but like the empathic resonance was just too much for what was going on in that class. But oh, again, that it, it, was, it, was
0: it was a lovely experience. However,
1: yeah, I was what like, do you,
0: what do you what mean? What doing. do you mean the empathic resonance was too much for you, just feeling everything in the room? And
1: yeah, because could- that particular class was very, um, very open in terms of what people were talking about in the processes that they were right. having and I mean like somebody would be talking about something and like I just it was just too much the, the amount of emotion that I'm feeling that wasn't mine I'm like I
0: like Anna why are you crying I, why are you crying she's just talking <laughs> about her dog
1: like, I can feel her love for a dog man it's so strong <laughs> and this was in
0: San Francisco right
1: yeah yeah so you gotta but- think
0: like 10 percent of everyone in the class was tripping no I don't. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I don't. I, don't.
1: <laughs> I mean, there were. I mean, with that said, there are a lot of psychonauts around. I mean, so.
0: East West psychology, and come on. <laughs>
1: yeah. I loved it though. I definitely loved oh, it. Oh my
0: god, it sounds so fun.
1: It definitely was. I, I. I mean, the um, course selection of what they had available to study was just. I had a time. <laughs> I had a time.
0: Yeah, and that that seems. Even in 2021, you know, San Francisco obviously has a history of mm-hmm. being um, progressive and open-minded. And of course, the the uh, the center of the psychedelic movement back then, but uh, it's, hopefully it's still got its mojo for yeah, uh, free thinking and open-mindedness. I know it's a little different now. Expensive. A lot of people from Silicon Valley have moved in. Yeah, but those um,
1: people from Silicon Valley are huge on microducing too, right? They're
0: huge on that, right? For For, for performance, it sounds yeah. like.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Thinking out the box and that sort of thing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, here's a little bit of a question. I think I know the answer to this. Let me try to phrase it right. So, I guess there's a little bit of a debate where scientists or researchers, like when a person is taking psychedelics and the experience, you know, some would say this is an experience that is happening outside of the mind meaning that the psychedelics is just allowing the person to perceive the world in outside of their mind in a different way versus no this is just a material experience where the psychedelics are changing the brain and i think i don't think they don't think they figured this out or or can prove this which one do you think it is do you think you're seeing the world and the experiences happening outside your mind or is the medicine sort of changing? Um, is it like a material thing where it's changing the brain and allowing you mm-hmm. to see that? I don't know if you can I don't this. I was listening to um, like a book about this and I thought it was very interesting. And I, I had to ask you.
1: That is a juicy question. And I mean, it kind of, hmm. Mm-hmm. I like to think that it it, I mean it is altering structures in the mind like and they do have research-based evidence on that but I also think it is sort of opening you up to a more expansive field and I mean Mm -hmm. this would be a whole discussion on like you know consciousness and the nature of it and and everything like that if you want to talk about like what Carl Jung talks about with respects to the personal and the collective unconscious I think it's like really diving into the collective unconscious and then maybe even different realms and dimensions
0: yeah Yeah, no I asked you this question I'm like just give me a three second answer (laughs) (laughs) you know meaning like is the world actually like this and this is just allowing us to see it this way or nah it's just doing you know and I don't know if we you that's what you think right
1: i think so like put it to you this way right like you're listening to a radio station i don't know what Mm -hmm. the radio stations are over there but say you're tuned into 94.5 okay You're tuned into that radio station right but it doesn't mean the other ones aren't happening simultaneously right it's just what your frequency is tuned into and you could change the dial and go to another frequency and then you're listening to a whole different radio I think these psychedelics are doing something like that so like we're primarily op- operating in this three-dimensional realm and that's what's going on but when we take a psychedelic it's shifting our frequencies so we're now able to play around with other frequencies and other spaces in that sense
0: spoken like a true hippie
1: <laughs>
0: I, want, I wonder if it could be both right i wonder if it could be both i don't know
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. why not why not i, I mean it was like
0: I, why isn't it not both why is it one or the other
1: no exactly i feel like reality is stranger than fiction at this point mm-hmm. You know, so who's to say? At this point, there are so many things that are, that are possible.
0: Well, you mentioned that your mother was very unconventional, but I but I think your father is not. Is that right?
1: No, he's such a straight shooter man. <laughs> like he did. Yeah. He Was an accountant. Apologies. And he
0: thinks. anything. I have to say it because I think it's really funny. He thinks you're batshit crazy.
1: No. He does in a good way. Like. But he's he cool with me, it. Yeah, yeah. Like he tells me, he's like, I don't understand you fully, but I know. <laughs> like that's cool. That's, Like, I appreciate
0: that. And does he appreciate all the, you've pursued this, you know, as a career as well and all the work you've done around it and the fact that you're um, passionate about it and actually really grounded about it. You're not, you know, spaced out.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like I, I, like I said, I like to geek out hard on the science as well. So I've, you know, shared a lot of that with him too. So it's not just like, oh, Anna's going off getting high, but he's seeing that there's a lot more to it in terms of like how I've changed or Certain like the shifts in my thinking and how I process my own grief and stuff like that. So he's seeing it from a different perspective now. Um, but I mean, it's interesting as well. Like the fact that when I was in San Francisco, I um I uh, tried five M O MUDMT and it was really interesting to have that conversation with him in the morning. And he's like, "Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, I, I just want like if you don't mind, uh, can you call your mom and I afterwards? We just want to make sure you're okay." And I'm oh, like,
0: "Oh yeah,
1: yeah." I'm about to have this huge experience, and I could then talk to my father and be like yeah x y and z you know uh-huh. it's so different yeah.
0: but i appreciate yeah. it uh, no i got kids i'd be worried about it you know they're pretty young i don't think they know what this is but um you sound pretty uh, pretty experienced and safe and
1: I try to be
0: and have have and the intention seems to matter too your intention is to expand mm-hmm. rather than rather than to as you said to just get high.
1: Yeah, I'm very I'm very curious in terms of like the nature of our minds and the nature of the universe and the nature of reality and all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. for me it's a fascinating experience to see how these substances bring up things each time and what they can show you, what they can reveal to you about everything, yourself. So it's just always a really deep learning experience.
0: Is is there I think you, is there a tribe of like people that are interested in this in Trinidad and Tobago or probably hard to, you have to go out, um, outside of your area?
1: I feel like there there is a small niche, um, mm-hmm. although I haven't necessarily connected with them too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course there is the niche that's just all about tripping and having a good time and yeah. getting fucked up. Um, and that's not my, not my beat. And they do have a couple of people who are more on the sort of exploration Um, Mm -hmm. but again I just haven't necessarily connected with them
0: so a few just a few more questions you sounds like you've done lots of research you geeked out you have degrees in east-west psychology what um, I always ask for favorite books resources podcasts Mm because I'm endlessly curious and I've read a lot but there's many things I haven't and if anything comes to mind I don't hate to put you on the spot too much
1: no i'm looking at my bookshelf right now um <laughs> i think stan groff is a great guy to get into yeah, um,
0: stan groff is is mentioned heavily in the pollen book and yeah, yeah i want to read i haven't read him yet and you've mentioned him but i probably will soon
1: yeah he's a he's a great guy to dabble with um man there's so many books the psychedelic explorer's guide um Rainforest medicine if i mean if mm. if People are interested in like ayahuasca stuff. There's a lot of that too.
0: Did you um, sorry to cut you off? Did you ever get into Carlos Constaneda or not really?
1: Oh, uh, we were he came up in a lot of discussions while I was at CIS, but I never did because I wanted to read his books and then people were like, Oh, it's just fiction. And so that was like, Wait, yeah. what? Like, well,
0: that's that's the big debate that you know first. Right. I think they're still in the nonfiction. Section, but recently uncovered that they're probably fiction. I mean, they're still pretty interesting books. So just, Mm -hmm. but if, but it's, I think it turns people off that he probably, you know, it seems like he may have made it up.
1: Well, I'm definitely curious to read them at some point. But, um, I mean, I'm like an information junkie. So everything I read is informative, like information. Mm -hmm. So, and I should really kind of like lax myself on that and read some Mm -hmm. fiction every now and again. So that would be a good choice.
0: I think they're still in the nonfiction section. So I, I, there's been a lot of discussion and podcasts about this and journalists saying, was this real? Was it partly real? Was it all fake? Was it all written? There's a lot of controversy. So mm-hmm. I thought I'd throw that out there. I, I digress. So you, um, some of the rainforest, explorer's guide, something about a rainforest, you got some other stuff?
1: Yeah. Um ooh. Ooh, there's so many. I mean, I don't know if this, but some of it's um, a, little,
0: a little too scientific.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely would recommend things by Carl Jung, um, just yeah. because I feel like it gives a good language for these realms. And then was I knew,
0: ever, was he ever into psychedelics or he just knew stuff?
1: No, they say he like he wasn't, um, but I mean, he draws a lot from like Eastern theories and stuff like that, mm. and I mean, like his. Uh, his work is very psychedelic in itself, but I suppose he was just on a kind of different level mm. there. But again, it's given a lot of uh, language to experiences, I find, for um, yeah. helping making sense of them, especially like the um, archetypal stuff. Yeah. So okay. I definitely recommend reading up on on his work um, podcast, gosh, there's so many I'm drawing blanks, but I know psychedelics today is a really good one. Um, they interview a lot of really, um, solid people in the field. Mm-hmm. If people want to check out, um, people like Dennis and Ter- well, Terrence is well-known, but Dennis McKenna, um, Paul Samets, really great guy. Um, I'm trying to, oh, okay. So there's this guy, um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't know if it's Christopher Bash or Christopher Bake or Bish or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, But he has this book called LSE and the Diamonds of the Universe or something. I might have Mm. the name wrong, but it's a really fascinating book on this uh, philosophy professor's explorations with high doses of LSE over the span of 20 years. Like, I mean, Mm. it is fascinating. Um, So I definitely recommend that book.
0: This is more of a rabbit hole than I realized. I mean, there's a whole, you could, oh my, (laughs) this is. This is so interesting. Um, I, I'm, I know I just have so many questions with your clients who, who you are. Um, I mean, we didn't even talk about combo and Reiki, but, but, but let's do that next time. For What kind of like um, practices, methods, like when you work with somebody, what, what do you find is, you know, when you're trying to get them to integrate their experience, what are we, what are we doing actually? What does that look like?
1: Um, it can manifest slightly differently for everybody, but first of all, um, the first week or so is definitely like the sort of grounding phase. Um, Mm -hmm. so getting people to kind of like land back into their body and this could inform like involve, sorry, a lot of like self-care. Um, if people like gardening, that's encouraged, like kind of getting out in nature, hiking, Mm -hmm. um, float tanks even, and then moving into the like the processing phase so then that's when we start to look at the experience um certain images that would have coming up came up sorry the symbols um or the visions what emotions came up the thoughts um and just really kind of starting to tease out that experience and make sense out of it and then of course kind of like following the coaching model you want to later on after after the mm. process you want to look at how are you going to actualize these experiences and turn and transform them into daily life so of course it's like making making your your action steps and stuff like that and to be honest the goals are usually revolving around the person's intentions so like what the person is going into the psychedelic experience with so some people are like um i want to practice and embody more self-love so you know that's going to be something that's a reoccurring theme and then sort of teasing out like how what are some exercises in which that they can sort of gravitate towards for themselves and implement over a period mm-hmm. of time and of course biting you know breaking things down into bite-sized chunks um during the processing phase one thing I do like to draw upon a lot is dream work because mm-hmm. I find that to be extremely helpful for people to make sense out of their visions because again like all this stuff is dealing with like the unconscious realm and the unconscious doesn't speak the same language we do. It tends to operate symbolically. So somebody might get an image of a star, but it's not like, it's not necessarily a star that star is representing something. So the whole thing is to sort of prod around and, and see what is that person's particular psyche trying to relate to their conscious self.
0: And is it like a dream where if you don't capture it maybe or write it down, you lose it, or is it a lot more, you know, like you don't forget it as quickly? So you're like you're encouraging people to write it down the next day or after absolutely.
1: After? Absolutely. I find personally like the sooner the better. Um mm-hmm. like if the person is willing to um that day of their journey, if they can to make life easy I'll even say like if they have like a little voice recorder or even mm-hmm. the voice recording app on their phone to make a voice recording of the experience to get as much detail in as possible other people like to journal and then also too what I like to encourage people to do is um <clears throat> make art um oh, because that's yes. that's engaging the the right hemisphere of the brain so instead of just being so like analytical and logical from the left side mm-hmm. you're also bringing in the right side because that could also pick up different and subtle nuances as well. And these are things like doing that within the first 24 hours it is something. It like
0: kind of good life advice even if you didn't go on a journey. Make art. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I mean, that that's the whole thing about the, the integration process, right? Like it's yeah. incorporating these different practices that we don't normally engage with, but that have uh, benefits. Yeah, no, it's,
0: I mean, it makes perfect sense. It, it could go in any direction and it's so individual and fascinating. It is it, endlessly it is. fascinating.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's and it's fascinating too to see the different messages people's mm-hmm. psyches bring up for them, you know, and and with psychedelic experiences, I think it's important not to have expectations. Like it's good to have intentions, but expectations mm-hmm. means you could like end up being hitched to a certain outcome and then you're right. not going to notice the way in which these medicines are actually working with you. So having the attention, but not being attached to it is really good because it's like, okay, this is something I want to work on. I'm putting that out there. I'm talking to the medicine, letting it know like this is something, you know, Mm -hmm. this is my intent, Mm -hmm. but then sort of like being open to the process of how that medicine is going to bring things up for you and how it's going to move you through certain processes as well.
0: Sound advice with or without the journey. So great. Where (laughs) where do you, you see yourself going with this do you think you'll continue with coaching and counseling as as the path or do you see yourself kind of branching off into other areas of psychedelics
1: i mean who knows uh who knows i definitely um i want i mean post-covid world mm-hmm. um i want to i want to sort of situate myself down in the amazon or, or working mm-hmm. with some medicine centers like i know there's a few in jamaica working with psilocybin but ideally in the amazon like it deeply deeply calls me and Mm. sort of working with people um outside of ceremony um if there's stuff that i can do with them while they're in ceremony except at the same time i feel like their ceremony is their ceremony they need to have that process but at least being available to people um post ceremony and even when they return home Mm. so ideally situate myself down there but um yeah
0: it's nice no it's I think it's going to be more and more needed as people are experiencing this. And it, you know, ladies and gentlemen, check your local laws. Okay, as an attorney, <laughs> we, I'm not telling people to break the law or do anything dangerous. Talk to your physicians, psych, psychotherapists, psychologists, okay. shamans, yeah. and check your local laws. Okay, don't break any laws. Um, what was I? I was going to say something else. Oh, I'm picturing myself in the Amazon, which and I'm what is there coffee? They drink coffee.
1: If you're working with ayahuasca, no. no there's
0: coffee. no coffee. You can't do the caffeine messes it up or. Yeah.
1: They say that the caffeine tends to push out the ayahuasca, but it's also a stimulant. So it's kind of, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, if you're looking to work with ayahuasca, you really need to sort of like cleanse yourself. So there's a strict diet. You need to follow like no salt, no sugar, no fats, no like. No alcohol. Yeah. No alcohol, no sex, no, no drugs, no, you know.
0: But this, this suddenly doesn't sound fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, I know it's like, oh, wait, I got to do all that, but now I mean, it's it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile. I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, where can people find you if they want? Because you know, it's not. I'm sure you offer coaching not just for journeys, because. I think you would have a lot of really awesome things to offer from your training in East West psychology and from your own experiences for someone, let's say he says, you know what? I don't want to go and do psychedelics, but I love the kind of things you're saying. And I want to explore myself and, and you offer that as well. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the main part of my work. Um, I love to do the whole psychedelic stuff, but the main part is the psycho spiritual counseling and coaching.
0: Yeah and I'm sure you are available for people that want to find out more information about microdosing and dipping their toe in and figure you know resources you're a, you're a resource for that too I I would think yes yeah, someone yeah. who knows what they're talking about knows what they're doing I try <laughs> um where do we find you on online
1: so um people could find me via my Instagram with is which is sorry uh journeys with Anna, and that's Anna with one N and two A's at the end, and then um, www. Oh, wait, three W. Sorry. Um, so www.journeyswithanna.com, mm-hmm. and again, it's Anna with one N, contrary to popular belief. Yeah, your
0: Instagram page <laughs> is awesome. There's beautiful pictures. It's it's really colorful. It gives you had yeah, you had a whole thing about microdosing on there. It's informative very good job thank you David it's been a real pleasure any anything else
1: um no if people just want to make contact like that's all cool too um I'm happy to help uh, happy to
0: just, cause you just bring the good vibes
1: I try man I try thanks for that
0: and thanks for saying man that's all is that that's a Trinidad Tobago thing right
1: yeah I guess <laughs> Caribbean hey, thing. Man.
0: and because I'm a weird person what's what's the weather like today over there
1: it's hot. It's a hot and breezy day. We're like in smack dab in the middle of dry season, although we're having very unusual, like, unusual weather this, this time mm-hmm. of year. Like, we have two seasons, wet and dry. So basically one is very, very hot and sunny. Yeah. One is very damp and rainy. And um, our dry season this year seems to have a lot of rain. And then I, I don't know if you've heard, but um, this volcano in St. Vincent has been erupting since Friday. No. Yeah, yeah. So oh. uh, La Sufri in in Saint Vincent's, I think Friday, either Thursday or Friday, was the first eruption. It's been going since. Although we haven't we haven't had any ashfall, and we're like about a little over two hundred kilometers south of them.
0: Okay, mm-hmm. um, so no ash yet. And I'm, you know, not but great with geography because I'm from America. How how long is the flight? Let's say from where you are, let's say to New York or the East Coast. It must must be pretty far to California
1: to new york i don't know from trinidad to florida it's a three-hour flight yeah, and then i go from florida to california it's like five hours so it's a little hmm. mission
0: there a little bit of a little bit of a schlep when to get to san francisco
1: hmm. yeah, it was a little mission but i mean the fact that you have a breakup by getting to florida i found that helps i find those hmm. like long stretches of flights suck <laughs>
0: but how long is it to get to the amazon where you oh, were doing your journeys.
1: That's easy peasy. Um, that's, that's not I, far at all. No, nah, I, I fly from Trinidad to Panama and that's three hours and then Panama down to Lima, which is like three and a half hours and then a flight. Easy up. peasy. Yeah. But again, you see the fact that it's broken up into those chunks mm-hmm. and it's like these little short three hour flights. It's it's simple.
0: That is, that is very, very nice. Um, I was going to say something else and I totally forgot. So perhaps... <laughs> Perhaps that's the end. Thank you so much, you. and it was uh, it was really interesting, and I I learned a lot, and I really I really appreciate it, and um, so good to connect.
1: Yeah, likewise, David. Thank you for having me on. This was a lot. All, of right, fun. Man. <laughs> All right, man.
0: Got it. Okay. All right. Have a good day. You, see see you. Thank Bye. you. And there you have it. That was my conversation with Anna Alicia Montano. Pretty good vibes, man. Pretty interesting person. And uh, I learned a lot. This is a really fashionable topic these days. And she is a very good resource for people wanting to know more to get coaching, counseling around all of these issues, uh, psychedelic or non psychedelic. She's um, someone I really want to stay in touch with and connect with and have back. We could have talked for several more hours. Thanks for listening. Further.coach, F U R T H U R.coach. Please like, subscribe, review. Really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.